now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode. I always feel weird when I start off with a hello. That's not us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz and Sonara investigate... Kaz and Sonara investigate a distress call and find a survivor of a First Order attack. There will be... Nico gets a girlfriend, sort of. The pirates don't like being called pirates. And the greatest love story of all of Star Wars is completed. OP Pit gets his floor sweeper back. We're talking about the engineer this week. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good. Pretty good. So... I shared this with Chris last week, dear listeners, but I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, so, of course, we had the reigning champion, always lovely and amazing Allie Andrews with us last week. And she wrote just the, a super sweet tweet of just like, I enjoy being on the show. I love, I always love being talking with you guys, all that stuff. But she definitely called our show a quote unquote chaotic experience, yeah. which just might be the best description of our podcast. <laughs> I'm going to use that from here on out. Like, come talk with us. We're a chaotic experience. <laughs> it's a perfect description, Chris. Take it as a compliment. I'd absolutely take it as a compliment. I I had to laugh at it. I mean, hell, we came up with Darth Buggles. I mean, come on. You, you guys have been with us for 278 episodes. You know what we're about. <laughs> yeah, sure. We came up with that. We just uncovered it, is all we did. Came up with that. He was always Darth Buggles. Dave just... Filoni came up with that. Oh, yes. He's a, that zombie Buggles. It that would not die. <laughs> Buggles is like, kill the past. Dish, uh, let go of the past, kill it if you have to, and then I will eat it and throw it up and lick it up again. Oh boy. <laughs> Are you having a good week, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Do oh, anything well, yeah, I, I I did a podcast today uh, with the director uh, Brian Trenchard Smith, so that was fun with Thomas oh, cool. DJ. We were talking about his book, and was- I sh- I should let you all know that Chris was super excited about the Akadekadonagon audio drama he was editing. He was like very excited. It came about- out really good. Yeah, one of the episodes of Strangers in Paradise. You guys should check it out. It's fantastic. So that's cool. I'm having a good week too. Uh, I've been really enjoying Owl House. It's been a really good season, and I'm excited that they're not going to do the whole like wait till season two is done before putting it on Disney Plus. They're going to be putting it on like five episodes at a time while the season's still running, which is super cool. Totally down for that. Um, 
but it's I've been enjoying watching it and writing my reviews for over at the Geeky Waffle. And uh, I to get over my sad feelings of the Rising Storm, the new High Republic book, which just destroyed me. <laughs> I'm still not over it yet. Um, I started writing some High Republic fan fiction, so that was fun. So I've had a good week too. Though, Chris, you're in my, my Rising Storm um, review. I am. You are. I forgot to tell you. Because, long story short, I, I, I wrote a review for the Rising Storm for the High Republic over on geekygirlexperience.com. And the whole thing is, is that, like, when reading this book, I had a friend pass away suddenly. So, like, it was reading this really difficult Star Wars book, which is about this massive attack and people are dying and characters are dying while still grieving a friend so really it was uh the review was more of an exercise of like how to think about a piece of media critically while grieving um and i have to say kevin scott who's the writer of the book was like this is a really good review and i was like i'm sorry i was so mean and he was like no he was really sweet about it so thank you kevin scott but i we had chris and i had been talking before we recorded last week and I was telling him how I was really struggling, like, with this one character moment. And Chris was like, that's just sadistic. <laughs> and that made it into my review, Chris, and you were in it. Yay. Oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> the, author, little... the author finds out that I called him sadistic. Yeah, he was fine like, with it. Yeah, that's Kevin good. Scott was very, very nice about the whole thing. Was he sadistic. really enjoyed the review. But, well, are you ready to get into the engineer? I am. I do want to say, guys, hang tight to the end of the show so you can hear the announcement for our guest next week. I'm really excited about this one because we, uh, I did, I started working on the outline and boy, I'm a salty bitch about next week's episode. So you guys want to be here for next week because I'm salty. And I also really love next week's guest. Very, very much so. But you'll have to wait till the end of the show to figure out, figure out who it is. <laughs> I'm Darth Buckles. All right. You ready? I am. The Engineer is the 26th episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on November 3rd, 2019. It was written by Sarah Carabiner. Is that, that's not Carabiner, but I, I Sarah Carabiner. Haha, I practiced, but I didn't. But it's, I did, I promise, just to solicit it. Sarah Carbiner and Erica Roseby, and directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. The voice of Nina is Megan Falcone. Her other works include Foursome, The Joe Schmo Show, and B-Roll. Falcone is also the wife of Josh Brenner, who voices Niku in the series. When our buds Sarah and Brad over at Friends of the Force interviewed Josh Brenner on their show, he said it was incredibly special to be able to record this episode with his wife. In an earlier cut of the episode, Niku accompanies Kaz and Sonara to Nina's, to Nina's battered ship. This is where they would meet, and Niku would have been dumbstruck upon, their, upon first seeing her. While not mentioned in the episode, Nina is also a Nikto, like Niku. And finally, the, ori the original ending with Kaz, uh, uh, the episode originally ended with Kaz, hoping to learn more about Niku's past, asking him about Bantha hurting. And then Niku would go on and on in great detail about the activity. You know who also likes to go on and on and on in great details? Mm. You just had many activities. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You have to go on and on about those. Active Yoda, yes. Yes, yes. Aerobic Yoda. Mm-hmm. Actodies? Yoda's been doing Pilates. <laughs> Thank you for just, like, skimming right over that really bad phrase. Pilates are delicious. Mm. <gasps> you know, Pilates does sound like a really tasty, like, baked good. Mm, I'm going to have some nice warm Pilates today with a nice side of calf. Four mm. eyes and gills have Pilates. Mm. <laughs> oh, Yoda, I have a question for you. Crunchy and slimy. Mm. Ooh, are they moist? Always moist. Mm, from the swamp, <laughs> all is moist. Mmm, I love those moist Pilates. Mmm, Yoda's moist Pilates. Well, I have a question for you, Yoda. Yes, a question for Yoda. Actually, first and foremost, are you having a good week, my friend? Yeah, not bad. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're. Are, are you coming to the towards the end of moistening season, or is it still moistening season? We'll moisten as long as possible, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. We'll moisten until life day. Mm. Moisten on life day. And after... Yoda lives the moist life. (laughs) The moist life! (laughs) Okay, okay. But I do actually have a question for you. So, in this episode, we met Nina, who was a potential love interest for Niku. And then I got to thinking, Yoda, you're like hundreds of years old. And, like, Anakin had Padme, Obi-Wan had Satine. Did you ever have any love interests? No, 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 no. Yoda knows what you tried to do. Yes. What What do you mean? You guys want, yeah, Yoda, Yoda, Yaddle, 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 Yaddle. I didn't bring up Yaddle. You're bringing up Yaddle. Yeah. I didn't bring up Yaddle. You're bringing up Yaddle. Does something happen with Yaddle? Insane. No, see? See? Just like Yoda said. Just like Yoda said. Over there saying Yaddle, 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 Yaddle. You brought her up! (laughs) Talking about Yaddle, that's all they do. (laughs) You had to come from somewhere, Yoda. Mmm. Or did Yoda? Mmm. You can't leave me like this. So did Yoda? No. Yoda's just being <laughs> mysterious. From an egg, Yoda came. I like I like the blunt no of just like, no, nah. I can't even pretend to be eh. with Yaddle. Eh. I can't even pretend. No. <laughs> but did you did you have like a you know, maybe like two, three hundred years ago meet like when you were like a young, fresh Yoda, like have a nice like Nice lady that you you had you mm. shared moistening with. Many Yoda's moistened with many a lady, yes, yes. But Yoda's free agent, he is, yes. Mm. Must be a Jedi, yes. Mm-hmm. Everything on the down low, on the space down low. And and you know, I could see you with Mama the Hood, cause I bet she had a great figure. She seems like she she. I mean, she still has a great figure. Mama the Hood looks great. Mm, looks Mama the Hood has balconies. Yoda could read shake, space Shakespeare from. Ooh, look at you, you little love Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> well, we need to get to the episode, but I adore you. I will see you next week. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Phew. I, I think he's lying. I think him and you. Yeah, I'll totally. He's always lying. But when you get that, all it, he does is lie. That's true. That's true. Because Luke was all like, "Why didn't you tell me this stuff?" And Luke, and Yoda was like, "I don't fucking know. I'm Yoda." Uh. Well, Act One. I'm ready for it. Oh, I was a baby oh, bird. Yum yum. Oh, it, drinking. It, uh, my normal old lady seltzer water because I am a creature of seltzer habit. water. I'm a creature of habit. I like my seltzer water. <laughs> I, I you got to be careful because seltzer water is like caffeinated now it's got alcohol in it now they're making now in like the in like colorado it has like psychedelic mushrooms in it i think this is kroger brand i think it's fine yeah yeah doubtful yeah that you'll have psychedelic mushrooms in it or alcohol yeah yeah, well it says (laughs) ready i mean frankly if it has caffeine in it that's a bonus to me so this has seltzer water with a hint of root beer flavor, oh, naturally oh. flavored and caffeine free. That's f- I've never heard of root beer flavored seltzer water. It, yeah, I, I usually um, I, I like it. Um, it's not as sweet as normal root beer, which is perfectly fine for me. Um, I don't like their Coke flavor because it just tastes like a watered down Coke. Wow, that's really weird. Yeah, that we don't have any with any that I've seen with any like soda flavors here. Mm-hmm. So I, all, I like the I like the root beer one. They're all lemony, lime, vanilla. No, no, I like my raspberry. Uh, they also have a Mr. Uh, like a Dr. Pepper one, but it says that it's made with a hint of Dr. Flavor on the can. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yum, we, yum, yum. We make fun of that one Dr. all the Dr. Flavor. Doctor, we make fun of Dr. Flavor all the time in this Dr. House. Flavor's bad enough as a ripoff of Dr. Pepper, but then just a hint of Dr. Flavor. That's just like <laughs> watered no. down Dr. Flavor? Come on. <laughs> Oh, do I act one? Yeah, please. Let's get the <laughs> hell away from watered-down Dr. Flavor as far as we can. <gasps> That's Yoda! Watered-down Dr. Flavor! <laughs> he is sort of watered-down Dr. Flavor. Yeah. Act one. We open <laughs> with the best dad, Captain Doza, nervously watching Kaz and Yuku fixing his bridge. And he's like, hey, guys, I hope you know what you're doing because you're like apparently the only engineers or mechanics on the ship, even though we've seen other mechanics. But I guess they can't do anything. And I guess the turtle folk who were said to be engineers can't do fucking anything this season either. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. Anyway. Kaz is button mashing, and Nuku is actually doing work. And they finally get all these scanners and all the things pulling up, and everything's starting to work, and everyone's like, hooray! And then they pick up the stress call of a woman who is stranded in space, and they're all like, oh no, we have to save this woman. And Kaz and Nuku are like, yes, dads, we must save this woman, because we are the protagonist, and we help people. 
but Captain Dad and Boss Dad have been around for a while. And Doze and Yeager are, are not really sure about this because, you know, they're being hunted by the First Order. And it could be, take a shot, dangerous. Take a shot every time Doza or Yeager say, it's dangerous this season. You'll be drunk if you binge drink. Kaz finally volunteers to go so Nico can stay and keep working on stuff. And Doza says, take someone who can shoot. And Kaz is all like, I'm getting better at shooting. So Kaz gets Pirate Mom, Pirate Mom Sonara-san. And Sonara-san's like, you brought me along because I can shoot things, didn't you? And he's like, no, I can shoot things. Shut up, your girlfriend joined the First Order. And then Sonara-san. They find a stranded shuttle in the middle of space. And they open the door to meet... Nina, who is an absolute cutie patootie, and she's precious and adorable, and I love her. And Nina's like, oh, gee whiz, thank you so much for helping me. Oh, oh, that's a lot of blasters for you helping me. Are you guys pirates? And Kaz puts his hands on his hips and looks at Sonara, and he's like, half of us are pirates. Hey! And Sonara's like, I really hate you right now. Shut up. <laughs> And so they ask, what happened to Nina? And she gives this sob story about, oh, the First Order attacked me and they're spreading everywhere and I could barely, barely escape my planet. And woe is me, I might be the last of my kind and I could be the last unicorn. And Pirate Mom is like, uh-huh, that's cute. You sound really lucky for somebody who escaped the First Order. But meanwhile, Kaz is like, tell me more, you poor civilian. I'm here to help you. So Kaz makes a deal. <laughs> and Sonara's like, please shut up, Kaz. So Kaz makes a deal, and he's like, hey, come back with us, and we'll get your ship fixed up. And since you're an engineer, we'll if you help us, we'll help you. And she's like, okay. So then they jump back over to the Colossus, and, Cla and Kaz is like, everybody! This is Nina, and she's an engineer, and she can help us fix stuff. And Niku turns around, and he sees her, and he's like, Oh, wow, Nina, do you, would you like to, you know, do mechanics with me? And she's all like, yes, I would love to do mechanics with you. And he's like, oh, wow, okay, I will be happy to do mechanics with you. Let's do mechanics together. What, what if our... Our tools touched. And Nina's like, that'd be really nice. And everyone else in the room is like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and I just have to say, when Nina agrees to help Niku, if you look at the shot of Niku walking out of the room, he has the biggest freaking smile on his face because he is about to get his mechanics on. I screen capped it. I put it on our Twitter because it was hilarious. Anyway. We get this big montage of Niku and Nina mechanicking together. And then, in the process of them fixing things around the ship, the best thing and the most important part of this episode happens. They're able to finally open a door, and precious OP Pit is finally reunited after all this time with his first love, the Floor Sweeper. And he's so happy and immediately gets back to work. It's perfect. As they finish up their montage of fixing the Colossus, they stop at Aunt Z's. And Nina sees all the pirates and she gets nervous. Especially when the pirates drag them below to work on all their stuff. So they get to the pirate hangar and Niku's like, let's get to work. 
and Nina is looking at the thing and pulls up some data to make it look like that the pirates are stealing half of the power from the Colossus. And she's all like, you can't trust pirates. They're horrible. And Kragen kicks in the door and he's like, I'm sorry, what did you say about us? What? You're in our hangar now. And Kragen's like, you're lying. We barely have any power for ourselves. And Nina's like, no, your pirates are stealing all the power from the Colossus. And Nika's like, oh dear, I believe a fight is about to break out. Into Act 1! What'd you think of Act 1? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think N- Niku actually doesn't sleep? No, we, I, I, I think he sleeps. <laughs> because sarcasm doesn't sleep. That's like, I mean, that's something somebody would say sarcastically. Oh, that's fine. I don't need sleep. But he just says it, and I have thought, maybe Niku doesn't sleep. I feel like we've seen him sleep before, have we? I don't recall we've seen kaz getting up in the morning twice i think yeah but i don't know if we've Mm. seen niku sleep because i I know he's talked about his bunk because he wanted to give his bunk to bebo i don't know yeah but he just might go in and and rest his legs and stare up at uh or or his bunk is just, you know, named for where he lives or whatever. Keeps his I things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Minor note, but um, this uh, spoiler. But you've already been spoiling in your description because you're just like Nina makes it look like. So. That but, was uh, an accident. But uh, yes, what, I assume what, people what my, have seen the episode if they're listening to this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> One of the, my rules of thumb is when someone goes, I don't know, it could be a trap. This could be a trap. 90% of the time, it's not a trap because it's usually best not to bring up a trap early on in the plot. So they sort of, they, they sort of, um, they sort of bypassed my, my rule. They, they hit the 10% of where it is, where it actually is a trap. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a weird episode and I'll get more into it in the next two parts, but I'm, I'm a little like, especially the second time through, just thinking about it, it doesn't make me antsy per se, because I, you know, the, I've, the series is already over and stuff like that. But I, I, I like that the, this episode, the next episode and kind of the last episode were kind of these, these like just very normal episodes that didn't have to be really super plot heavy and stuff but i'm i'm feeling at this point that it's like yeah you know you know they're we we probably since they're they're only they have to wind up after two seasons that they might want to get into the plot again you know that they might want to have more of tam and stuff like that well that's the thing that was a very common criticism and it still is of season two because season one had a very clear trajectory it was like here's how the first order infiltrates the colossus and a big problem that a lot of people had with season two was they pretty much just meander you know it yeah these are these are good episodes but they like they're they're 
yeah, they're not they're There's not no they're plot. not taking anything any anywhere, you know. There's and it, really no plot. It, it's a character study almost. It's almost like a world study they, or they're a acting like study. they have all the time in the world to to go mm. forward with this, which they usually do, but they don't. And and we know they knew it by this point too. And and that's you know, one of the things that I've been working to let go about season two because I. I had going into season two because because we found out that the show was ending. So I put the unnecessary pressure of like every episode must be important then because the show is about to end. And so as I was watching it for the first time, I was like, why is there nothing happening? Um, and, and that's one thing I'm trying to let go in this, because what I like to try and look at this now is it's almost a study of characters and, and a study of the time period. And like, like take Nina, for example, and I'll talk about this more in Act 3. I think Nina's a very interesting character. I actually don't see her as a villain. I see her as a survivor. And the First Order has taken over, and they're forcing people like Nina to do things like this. So I think right. that's a very interesting study of what's happening in the world. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Bad Batch in that way. Because Bad Batch is doing that as well. well I'm, because I'm, I'm, there's really no plot of Bad Batch other than I, they're just kind of witnessing the world changing around them. And Resistance was kind of the groundwork of that, of like witnessing the world changing as they're on the run. I, I, like I have a few things, yeah, about the character of Nina. The thing, and and yeah, and, and totally she's, she's a character that like, you know, was put into that situation. And, and you can see on her face that she doesn't want to do it. And, you know, mm -hmm. she'd rather not. She's maybe trying to think of how she couldn't do it, but can't think of a way to do it, which is very realistic. Mm -hmm. And in <clears throat> a, a lot of way, this would be more appropriate, I guess, in the third part. But like, um, um, like I say that the, they're meeting with Nina. It's uh, just sort of it's it's very the, the first two parts of this episode are very our very conversation are like mostly, ba you know, most of what's happening is, you know, they're fixing up stuff, but it's mostly about dialogue and character stuff, and, which is fine. It, it moves right along at that, you know, it doesn't, it, it's, it's fine without like space battles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they kind of wasted the opportunity. They could, they could have either um, developed, Nina a little more, which might have taken some of the realism away from it, whereas we don't know, you know, and I'm always a proponent of like, we don't need to know everything about a character. And we knew enough about Nina. We knew that, you know, she wasn't just an evil character and that she was in a bad situation. But they that like they don't she it she just sort of like their their meeting is like uh you know at at the doorway and it's just sort of like we pull up to the ship we're at the doorway she comes out and we have a sort of standoff with the guns but it's very it's very dry you know it's not very show not tell mm -hmm. it's just sort of like this and that and 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 where they could have had some sort of encounter in there that could have that could have added to her character a little bit or you know made the situation a little more dramatic and it just sort of proceeds with that and i think her character sort of got a short shrift by that because they could have spent more time on that you know because by the by, by the end of it it sort of has a moral at the end of it but it's just sort of like boom pull instead of like 
being steeped throughout the episode, it's sort of like, oh, well, well here's the moral. But, That's interesting because uh, I I actually really like the um, opening because she comes off almost like it, it's a very fine line where she's almost too goody two shoes because she's all just like oh geez you guys mm-hmm. are are you guys here and I, and I like that her story is a little too perfect it's yeah, too, a little perfectly yeah, sympathetic and it's a very fine line because like if, if they made it a little bit more it would be very obvious that she was playing them but they write they play that line just enough to where it's like oh she might be like niku where she's a genuinely good person especially because like she hits it off with niku so it's a very fine line so i actually i actually like that about it because it makes the twist a lot better where she's just like nah i'm the first order <laughs> but it's a super fine line and they play it really well to me at least i i think it, i think it actually works really well See, I think I think once her character got introduced, I seem to remember because I remembered that she was what, you know, was a subversive character at the end. So I, I think I seem to remember that, like, it was that they, they kept it so that because uh, I remember thinking, OK, she might, you know, she might be a spy or something. But then as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, yeah, there's no real way that she could, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see how she would be, um, faking stuff with the pirates and, and it sort of made sense in the pirate mm-hmm. storyline. So they, they let, they led me along well with that. And I probably was also thinking of the, uh, could be a trap, my could be a trap rule back then too, cause I had it back then too. Mm-hmm. So so like I'm I, and I'm not critiquing their choices because I some most of the choices they made are more of like choices that I would on paper be more into in in an individual episode but in the context of the whole series. Mm. Um, I'm starting. Oh, good. Sorry. It might it might have been it might have been more interesting to to know more about her character or have more shading shading in of it. Yeah. Um, you're actually very, very close to one of my notes in Act 2, so I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Um, because what I actually found so interesting about Nina was watching it the second go-around. This is my second time seeing this episode, and I, I knew she was there to sabotage. So it made it really interesting watching her this go-around, knowing that she was a spy, because then right. you can see what's her tells and what's not her tells. And I, I think that's like part of the reason, because like, you have this moment where knowing she was the spy like you're not sure if she actually is bothered by pirates or if that's something she's just playing into um and so of course like at the end she's like no i was really captured by pirates as a child but like i like how you can tell like when it, it it's a really fine line between like when she's lying and when she's telling the truth but knowing that she's a spy going into it the second it is probably around, a it, combination and that's probably why she she set up the pirates because they were the pirates so screw them you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I really enjoyed watching it the second time around, looking for those little things. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got for Act One. Um, I I liked I loved that OP pit got reunited with his floor sweeper and how happy it is, and he's jumping, he's cheering, he's so happy, and he just goes back to pushing it. It's it's such a good moment. <laughs> that was all the joy he needed for the next ten years. Just be able to push that thing. 
Um, I also like the little snippet with Eager. Um, uh, has apparently been helping Kaz with his blaster training. Because he's like, I'm getting better with a blaster. And Yeager's like, yeah, it still takes someone who shoots. But I like this idea that Yeager, this rebel fighter, is helping Kaz with his blaster. And I'm going to put a pin in that. Because next week's episode, I bring that up of why it's important that Kaz is getting blaster training. (laughs) He should be getting blaster training if he's going to be fighting the First Order. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then for my my two big notes, I'm going to slightly touch on... Sonara here, but I'm going to come back to her later. I really love Sonara in this episode because she's been kind of muted this season. She's kind of been like the pirate liaison that they go back and forth between the pirates and her, but she's just been kind of like in the background. I really like her in this episode because she is clearly the voice of reason and she's clearly the more worldly one because Kaz is just like, oh boy, new friend, come join us. And Sonara's like, you don't know her. <laughs> we don't know who this is. Like, I, I think this is a really good use of Sonara. Well, Sonara sort of uh, infiltrated them in a similar fashion, so. That's very true. That's, that's a, I actually have a note about that, I think, in Act 3, about how Sonara and Nina are very similar characters. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back. Um, but I, I think what I love most about this episode is... And this is kind of ongoing, and I'm going to definitely probably be bringing this back later in the season, because this was the first instance, but we see this again later in the season. They never stop being heroes. Yes, whoever this mysterious person is with a distress signal could be a trap. It could be put them in danger, but they are still always going to be heroes, and they're going to weather... They're going to risk a trap and getting caught because they are the heroes and they are there to help people. And this is the first instance of that, because we'll see this again later over and over where they they bring in these other people like Mika Gray and stuff like that. But I like this about Kaz and Niku and Tora and these characters that they're going to always still help people first, regardless of the danger it puts them in. And I think that's a really, really good point to have in your show with these kind of characters. It's gonna it's gonna happen in a Star Wars show and it's gonna happen in a Disney show, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think actually George Lucas got that from Disney in the first place, and now it's at Disney. So mm-hmm. that you know, that the yeah, that's going to be a, a a like the that that common humanity and kindness is gonna be like spun throughout everything, you know. Even the most violent Mandalorian episode. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm still muted and I was trying to unmute myself. <laughs> but that's all I have for Act One. Did you have anything else? I do not. <laughs> I, I most certainly do not. So and I'm, I am offended that you would ever think that I would. I'm laughing because there's a character in, in Amphibia who pretty much does that. They're like, hey, Mr. I can't remember the character's name. They're like, hey, Mr. Sir, like, do you have this in your, sh- in your store? He's like, I don't. I don't. <laughs> and that's what you reminded me of. Anyway, act two. Here we go. So Nico is on a pirate bay hangar with Nina and the pirates, and he's trying to keep the peace. 
but Nina and Craigan are both calling each other's liars. Because Nina's all like, you guys are stealing all the power. I have the data right here. And Craigan's like, bitch, we barely have enough power for ourselves. What the hell are you talking about? And in the background, Pirate Mom Sonara is watching this and looking at Nina like, mm, this girl's starting trouble. I don't like her. Anyway, the lights drop out, and Niku and Nina take the opportunity to run away while they can. And Kraken's like, yeah, you run away, little girl. I didn't want to fight you anyway. I would have destroyed you. And all the pirates are like, yeah, you tell her, boss. You tell that tiny child that you would have beaten her up. And he's like, yeah, I'm a pirate. <laughs> so Niku and Nina report back to the dads, and Captain Dad is pissed. Because Doza has been waiting for an opportunity to kick these damn pirates off of his ship. But Boss Dad Yeager points out that they can't just throw the pirates off. They technically kind of still owe the pirates for saving their lives. So it's not going to be easy. But they need actual proof that this is happening. So Kaz volunteers to investigate while Niku and Nina cut off the pirates' power supply. Pirates' power supply is kind of difficult to say. So that night... Kaz in, you know, a not really great disguise. He's just wearing a helmet. And it's never even explained why. You could have just walked in there. <laughs> Sneaks into the pirate bay. And they're all sleeping and having lovely pirate dreams. And he finds these really huge power cables going into one of the ships. And he's all like, Aha! I have found the source of their treachery. But Pirate Mom catches up with them. And Sonara's like, uh, I installed these power, these power cables. It was me. And she, and Sonara's like, Nina's lying to you because we barely have enough power for us. But Cass is like, nah, he's, she's Niku's friend and she's my friend now. Power of friendship and stuff. I'm the protagonist. And Sonara's like, okay, protagonist, I'm the logical one. Why hasn't Nina fixed her own ship if, she, if she's such a good engineer? And also, we've only known her for, like, six hours. What do you actually know about this woman? And Kaz is like, I don't like when you use logic on me. It hurts my power friendship ship mojo, please. But you're right, you're right, Sonara, you're right. We should actually look into this. And so Sonara's like, fine, let's go check out Nina's ship and see if she actually is, you know, was attacked by the First Order. We'll go see. But no one's got time for that because it's time for Mechanic Love Hour and Niku backstory. So Nina and Niku are talking and Nina's all like, how did you come here? Like, you know, you're living at a quick trip. How did, or it's actually more of a Wawa. Like, you're living in a Wawa. Like, how did you get here, Niku? And Niku's like, well, I had really great parents, you know, like, I might not be an artist, but they kind of understood that I wanted a different kind of lifestyle from their bantha herding. And they didn't understand my mechanics, but they took their best bantha calf, Smitty, and they sold Smitty just so I could go to mechanic school. And Nina's like, oh, that's a really nice backstory. Mine is horrible. I was captured by pirates as a child, and I was sold to the huts, and I was a slave. And Niku's like, oh no, is that why you hate pirates? And Nina's like, yeah, that's exactly why, Niku. You're lucky you're cute. <laughs> you're very lucky you're cute right now. And Nina starts feeling guilty. And she's like, hey, Niku, you need to remember the MacGuffin that 
I put into the bridge in Act 1. And Niku's like, why? Why would you have to, I have to worry about the MacGuffin of Act 1. And she's like, you know, just keep that in mind for Act 3. So we go back with Sonara and Kaz, and they get to Nina's ship. And Kaz is like, look at this old piece of junk. Surely it was attacked. And Sonara's like, you don't ever need to go car shopping because you will be swindled. <laughs> Child, this is wear and tear. So they go inside and Sonara sees that Alanina's flight info is also encrypted, which is highly suspicious. Luckily, Sonara is very good at cracking codes. And she hacks into Nina's computer and they find out that Nina's been tracking the classes for days and she's working for the First Order. Bum, bum, bum. What did you think of that too? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it! <laughs> it's always the cute, nice ones. Actually, I, I, it is true. That's actually been a trend in Disney movies lately. Like, Zootopia did this. Um, oh, what's that other movie? I think Incredibles 2 did that. Did that. But, like, if you think about the little, the, the bad guy of Zootopia, it's the little nice sheep. Sorry, spoilers for Zootopia. It's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the nice, like, little sheep who is just this tiny, gentle woman the entire movie. And then she's like, now it was me the entire time. <laughs> but that's actually been a, a, a trend in Disney movies lately. And a lot of people are like, mm, look for the nice person. They're the bad guy. <laughs> They're setting it up for when they upend the trope. Mm-hmm. You're going to think it's the nice person and they're going to get killed and they're going to be yeah. like, oh, shit. Anyway, Act 2, what do you think? Ah, I didn't have a, a lot to say, say in this one. It was just sort of, this one was moving the plot forward. Um, my only real note is I just love how everybody just pictures pirates as like when they go to bed that they don't, that they're pirates. So they just have no sense of privacy, but at the same time, they don't even get into like bed clothes and stuff. They just sort of flop all flop over together in a room. You know, like they just all like pass out together in a room like like a like a clubhouse full of little kids or something, you know. <laughs> like in kindergarten when all the kids Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when everybody's just pulls up a mat and just like conks out conks out on it and they're pirates too. They and they're always sleeping like in full like you know so or you know i mean this is a spaceship but like a lot of times it's usually a bunch of uh like hammocks just hanging you know they just have hang hammocks and hang like you know cocoons from the ceiling <laughs> that's true but yeah that is now that i think about that like every pirate movie i've ever had they're they are always sleeping in full clothes and i'm sure the the answer to that is budget you know why redesign entirely new sets of bedroom clothes when you don't have to? Well, yeah, they're also, they're pirates. It's less like, I don't think they'd probably have room for each of them to have like a chest, you know, they probably just have a pair, they're probably like Hell's Angels. They probably just have a, some, a, a set of clothes that they wear <laughs> until they yeah. rot off them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to crack a book someday about real pirates and see. <laughs> the, how how they used to how they used to uh, wrangle that? Google did pirates have sleeping clothes? 
dick pirates. I mean, come on, they got to have had to have been just like you know the one piece wool underwear union suits type things. Where did pirates sleep and bathe? <laughs> huh? No, I don't want to. Oh, it's a PDF. I don't want to download that. Uh, uh, I can't find it very quickly, so therefore we're just gonna pretend they always sleeped in. They just stayed in their jean, their jean jackets, like the Hell's Angels and leather jackets. Yeah. Well, I'll see where the pirates sleep. It doesn't matter. Anyway. That's all I really had for Act 2. Well, I'll start with my pirate note then, since we're on pirates. So, the thing I like about this episode is it plays on people's suspicions. um, Because, you know, pirates are known to be bad and to steal things. And... But these pirates, so so it's really easy for Nina to put the blame on them because she's just like, because they're known to do that. They're known, they've known to, been known to like attack the it's the classes. totally plausible that their characters would do that. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it just happens to be the one time that they didn't, and I and I like that. That's a very coded story for a lot of what happens in our real world, where we yeah. judge entire groups of people off of stereotypes even when it's not them and a lot of times that can be very detrimental you know well, the like funny thing about Cragen is Cragen is kind of a stereotype he's kind of like one of those like he's gonna do pirate stuff well he like he likes being a pirate so there's so he might just like he he strikes me as Cragen might be sketchy just out of principle you know what mm-hmm. I mean just out of maintaining the code his code of being sketchy so it's totally plausible that that all the ugly, doofy, you know, sketchy past pirates, and basically, and then you have like a female Niku who's known for being tr- honest and trustworthy. I, I like this better than the alternative that would have been like they're just adding a character to be like a love interest to Niku. Mm-hmm. in the show or something to add and you know oh niku is a popular character let's add another niku mm-hmm. i mean i would have loved if nina stayed that's just me because i like her character but um yeah but it would have been just a, it would have been like kind of an awkward like second season introduction you know to have her <laughs> character in you know just in there to, to start adding to that main crew you know oh you say that point. We're going to have Mika Gray in like two episodes who's right. added to the thing and does nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> does nothing. This is the season of that, of where we add characters, except for Vanessa. Vanessa is added and she's actually quite useful and I love her. Anyway, but part of that too, where it's a good way to play on stereotypes, is it forces Sonara to have to challenge Kaz. Because he's just like, the pirates are bad. And she just looks at him and she's like, am I bad? You know, it goes back to that whole season one thing where Kaz had that line of life, even though you're a pirate, I know you're a good person. And it it almost calls that back into effect where she's like, Kaz, you have to believe me, even though I'm a pirate and it seems like this is a pirate thing that would do. Do you trust me? Because what do you know about this girl? And it makes Kaz stop and go, you're right. You're right. I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to trust you, Sonara, as a person. And and I like it's 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 a the whole pirate thing handled in this is actually is like the more I think about it, it's really, really complex and really layered. 
even if it doesn't seem so on the surface and it's really well done. Yeah, I, I not sure I agree, but I'm not sure I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you are indifferent. <laughs> Support that indifference, Chris. I just have to think about that more before I could get, give a hard thumbs up or thumbs down to it. That's totally fine. Um, I, I know, and I like that we're getting a little bit of Niku's backstory. I like this idea that like his family were bantha herders and they sold their prized calf just calf so he could go to like mechanic school. Cause like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an artist. And I remember when I chose to go into, the, to be a theater major, my mom looked right at me and said, you know, you're going to be poor, right? And I was like, yes. And she's like, okay, I support it. And that actually really does mean a lot. Like when you want to have a career that's different from what your parents want for you, there's a, when they support you in that, even if they don't even fully understand it, it means the world to you. And I really liked that for Niku and his backstories, that he wasn't like estranged from his parents, that they actually gave up something very important to support him. And it, it was just a really nice story. And I, and I really liked that we finally got like some some snippets of like Niku's past. It's the snippetiest of snippets, but I'll it, take it. Yeah, same here, because he gets so little. Like, he, Niku's kind of well, like hair. Yeah, and it's only a little bit, and it's kind of a, a standard sort of immigrant trope, or, you know, or, you know, we've sent, we've sent our son to college in America type of thing. Mm -hmm. Although they've sent him to the Colossus, which is not exactly the big time. <laughs> but he loves so it. So, yeah, but that just sort of implies that his parents are probably pretty poor, you know? He mm -hmm. probably came from poverty. Mm -hmm. But also, though, this this is the small like a small gripe I have for this episode. Nina points out to Niku that Kaz never asks about him, and Niku needed to address that at some point. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity because part of Kaz's journey is that he started off as a privileged kid and a little bit selfish. Like he he had a good heart, but he was a rich kid, and he's a, and he was selfish in season one. And so much of his journey was him in season one was like learning to like go of that privilege but that doesn't mean that he's still fully changed yet and i well, wish it, there it, was and i wish there was a scene where niku was like well nina asks about me you never do and having Kaz have that realization of like oh my god i don't like you know i i think that would have been a really nice moment to hold hold Kaz accountable for for things like that because he does still get away with murder pretty much <laughs> yeah well i mean the, there's a thing like i mean he's there's still you know he's not as selfish as he was but he still no, has a layer you can't just ditch that whole layer of self-absorption especially at his age too which is a self-absorbed age so he's doubly afflicted with it but you know so it just manifests itself in you know, the way the way he talk, what he talks, you know, talking about himself and, you know, being wrapped up in his whole interest. But and but he's also more um, aware in how he acts. That's that's mm -hmm. what's the, the more of, you know, or, you know, not how he acts towards other people, you know, how oh, yeah. he ha acts with something, not just like how he acts with his personality, but, you know, his yeah. his actions. There, that's yeah. that's the best way to put it. 
I, I don't disagree. And that that's actually why I wanted Niku to have that conversation with Kaz. So Kaz could keep going on that journey because he's already come so far, but he's not perfect. So I would have liked to have that moment where like, like when um, in Act 3, like where Kaz pulled Niku off to the side and, he, and he's like, Nina's a first order spy. Having a moment where Niku's like not not believing him because he thinks he's joking, but not believing him because he's kind of the the word Nina's words have impacted him. That would have been that scene would have played entirely differently. Where well, also I'd say they 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 filled in a lot of the emotional blanks in this, but just just barely. You know they they yeah they're they're there could with maybe another trot through the script of this. You know another another go through through the script. They could have there's a there's a bunch of things they could have beefed up to it to make it a little mm-hmm. more absolutely. Uh, give a little more heft to the episode. Mm-hmm. Because that scene would have been just, and, and that scene in Act Three, and, and just to clarify, this is the scene where Kaz pulls Niku off to the side. If if Kaz was like, she's lying to you, having instead of like Niku just being like, you're just pulling your ruse on me, ha 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 ha, him being like, well, you, why do you care? You don't ask me anything about myself like that would have changed their entire friendship dynamic and have that moment where cat like to, to make actually that would make nina almost more diabolical to put that wedge between them like it could have really been super stellar if they went there so yes they, I agree. they didn't have their bills before hose moment at the end I because that because that would and you know what that's something that made that made me think about it because when i was doing the background notes um, the original scene was going to the, the original end scene was going to be Kaz asking about Bantha hurting to ask about Niku's life. Um, and that was originally and I wish they would have kept that because then that moment would have come full circle and and to have that interest where Kaz takes that interest in his friend. That would have been just that would have made this episode chef kiss. And now it's just like, eh. So that, that's probably my biggest gripe of the episode. Well, here's that's, the that's thing is I'm griping about the episode, but I'm griping about it more in the I, in the larger scale in, in kind of an unfair way. Because oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the things that I would have liked to I mean, it's a perfectly fine episode, you know, but I, I sort of want more out of it. I, I sort of want more out of it just because there's time's running out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that is my gripe of season two i'm trying to let go because every single one of these episodes are great in a vacuum but in the right. scale of a series they almost don't work or if we were watching this and we knew there were three more seasons after this yeah oh yeah we wouldn't, and, we wouldn't be sweating this at all as a matter of fact we'd be savoring the the we'd be like ooh, some nice just little like relaxing yeah yeah Imagine if, like, you know, think of something like season two of Clone Wars, you know, like we have fun episodes of like Jar Jar and Bill Organa, like hanging out and like those are fun. And that's because we have the I thought of an ongoing series or even something like Rebels. Like what's a what's an episode random? I think season two Rebels. What's a random random ass episode of Star Wars Rebels? Here we go. Let me look. Take something like the wow these are i forgot how good season two was (laughs) there are no random like the forgotten droid it's the episode where like ap5 and chopper 
um, infiltrate a no, it's, it's the episode where they meet AP5, who doesn't even really right. do much in the series, but Chopper gets a friend, you know, like <laughs> Chopper gets a friend. That's all that episode is. And that's fine. It's a perfectly good season two episode. Does it change the course of the series? Not really, uh, but it's a fun little episode for Chopper. Yeah. Uh, but Resistance doesn't have that luxury, which is why, like, so many Resistance fans are clambering for a third season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it deserves, it doesn't have that, that feel, and it's, uh, 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 mad. But that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No, I don't. You ready to wrap the puppy? I am. Put it in a nice bow. Puppy wrapping time. Yeah, get some air holes in that puppy wrap. So make sure uh, it, you I bought a, I bought I bought two hundred and fifty square foot dispenser of pup wrap. <gasps> I just bought a dispenser of it's pup actually bubble. called prap. <laughs> That's funny because I just bought. Why does that make me laugh? <laughs> 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 prap <laughs> to wrap your puppies in the strongest puppy wrap <laughs> I can't even finish my joke your, your delight at your own joke made me laugh <laughs> I want it to be a product now prap why do they call it prap it's puppy wrap <laughs> and it's and it's like this little and the spokesperson is an animated wrapping puppy Yo, yo, yo. I'm Parapity Rap. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> oh, J Guys and Jedi's Puppy Rap. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm going to. This is actually kind of already a thing. Have you ever heard of? Lost my mind. Because right. there's right. a video yeah. game. There, there's a there was a video game on Parappa the PlayStation. Parappa the rapper. Parappa the rapper, and it's a dog who's a rapper. Mm-hmm. Yep. I played Parappa the rapper. It's hard. Parappa the rapper should be the spokesperson for puppy rap for Pratt. Yes, you should. Oh my god, that's perfect. <clears throat> you see, but it won't reach the young people. They won't remember Parappa the Rapper. That's what. That's why it's cool, Chris. That's why it's cool, because then they get to learn about it. Huh. So you know how Hard nostalgia to works. Learn how to wrap up a puppy properly. Proper <laughs> First, you gotta put the puppy in the wrap, then you turn it on its side and go wrap wrap. They just think you take the wrap and roll it around the puppy, and they don't even tuck the legs or tuck the tail. Nothing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Tuck in this, fold your corners and get in the tail, and before you know it, it you'll have a wrapped puppy without fail. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Born to rap, Hope. Born to rap. Nope, nope, I'm about as wide as they get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm as wide as this Google Doc that's opened in front of me. <laughs> Act three. Act three. So, oh no. Nina, I'm sorry, I just had to laugh again. Nina is a spy of the First Order. So, Sonara decides to stay with Nina's ship so she can't get away, and Kaz heads out with CB-23 to warn everyone about Nina. 
and he slides into engineering and there's Niku with Nina and they're giggling and they're having the best time together and Kaz is like hey Niku how's your friend can we talk over here away from your friend no suspicious reasons ever to say that Kaz just come talk with me and he pulls Niku up to the side, and Nina thinks it's suspicious. And Kaz is just like, Niku, we should be having a really deep emotional conversation right now about how I apparently never ask about your life, but it's not about you, it's about the Colossus. And Nina is working for the First Order. And Niku's like, oh, Kaz, you're hilarious. Ha 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 ha, you're right. We should be having a really deep conversation about our friendship right now, but it's not gonna happen because the lights go out and Nina is gone. And as she's running through the hallways trying to get back to her ship, she starts it up remotely and contacts the First Order. So Niku and Kaz catch up with Nina and she shoots at them. And she's like, ha ha, I work for the First Order, bitches. I, you have no thrusters or power or defenses and they're on their way. And Niku is crushed and sad Niku hurts my heart. <laughs> I don't like when Niku is sad. It hurts me in my soul, like deep down, and like, like, like I'm a pretty like tough bitch. But like, actually, I'm not a tough bitch. I'm a soft person. But I like to pretend that I'm a tough bitch. But Niku hurts my soul when he's sad, and he, he's like Nina. I thought we were mechanicking together. She's like we were mechanicking together, Niku. I want you to come with me because. We're gonna, you can be safe and you can fight with me on the winning side, aka the First Order, because, you know, the First Order kind of rules the galaxy at the moment. Will you come with me, Niku? And we can mechanic again? He's like, I can't leave my friends. I'm so sorry, Nina, but stay with us. You know, we can continue mechanicking here together. But suddenly, CB23, who is the best girl, gets Nina's blaster, and Nina's like, oh, You tricked me, Niku! How dare you! And she runs away, and, and Niku's like, Nina, no! That's not what it was supposed to be! Look, come back! And during all this, oh no, the First Order arrives! And, and they start going, Let's, There's the classes! Go get them! And TIE Fighters go out there. And Nina gets back to her ship, and Sonara, who's supposed to be a really good fighter, apparently can't take on a tiny engineer. <laughs> and Nina slips by Sonara and flies away. During all this, Doza's like, Oh my god, the First Order's here! Get your asses up here and fix stuff, because nothing is working! And Kaz is like, Oh god, oh god, nothing's working. We're gonna die. Niku, how do we fix the ship? But Niku's like really hard working right now because like his mechanicing buddy just left and he, he's not quite sure how to fix things because they already fixed things. So he makes the most brilliant plan. And he looks at Kaz and he's like, Kaz, I need you to use your best skill. Wreck everything we did. And Kaz is like, I'm on it. Anyway, so TIE Fighters are, TIE Fighters are flying at the Colossus. And outside, Nina calls old Goldie himself. And she's like, I'm sad, but I did the job. And Pyra's like, I don't care that you're sad. Here's your money. And so she takes her money and she apologizes to Niku and hopes that one day they could be potential mechanicing love interests again. And she flies away. And in all this, Agent Ch Tyranny just shows up long enough to remind us that she and Pyre are totally hate-fucking. Anyway, back to the Colossus. It's under attack! 
oh no. And they do a really quick reverse montage of Kaz just breaking shit. <laughs> That's all he does. He doesn't even fix it. He's just like breaking shit in half. But still, nothing is working. There's one more thing that has to be done, which they have to get the power from the pirates. And Kaz runs down there and he's like, Kraken, I know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't stereotype you. You're lovely, you're a perfectly good pirate. We need your power. And Tanara's like, yeah, we're gonna die if you don't. And Kraken's like, I don't like dying. Take our power then. And so they turn off the power so they can go to the Colossus. But still, nothing is working. Oh no. And Niku's like, what did Nina say in Act 2? The MacGuffin! And he goes and he sees the MacGuffin from Act 2, or from Act 1, and he pulls the MacGuffin out, and he's like, Thank you, Nina. I remembered. And all the power comes back to life, and, and everything's working again, and they escape into hyperspace. And Tyranny is like, Good thing that Nina doesn't show up again for the rest of the show, or else we'd kill her. Anyway, Pyre, See you in my bed tonight for hate fucking and Pyra's like, I'll be there. <laughs> and finally we end with Kazuniku being bros. And you know, not talking about Niku's past, because Kaz didn't grow at all in this, but Niku does say that he loves a chair just as much as Kaz. The end. <laughs> what you think of Act 3? It was okay. This is the first time where I'm like, yeah, Pyre and Tyranny are definitely hateful. Oh, yeah, she's that, like, that, that's my first note is Pyre and Tyranny's sex talk. Because she's like, I'm glad that you can, you're finally taking my advice, Pyre. And he's like, we'll see how well your saboteur works, Tyranny. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> all their lines were basically like like uh, Clone Wars. Episodes Anakin and Padme. Just, no, we just wanted to add in bed at the end of every line that they had. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much like Padme and Anakin talking about evil, where it's just like, yeah. it's really good to see you, Senator. I hope your plan goes well. I think my plans later tonight will be going really well. Oh, they're definitely Jedi. having hotter sex. They're definitely hot, having hotter sex. <laughs> Who cares? And Padme were strictly space missionary. <laughs> You're not right. Oh, my God, that's so funny, because me and, me and uh, Megan joke about how vanilla Anakin Skywalker probably is in bed. <laughs> He's such a vanilla boy. Yeah, he's probably he's probably very just like, oh, I touched a boob. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, fine, uh, stick it in first and then touch the boob so boob so at least you're splooging in me. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> oh my god, I touched a whole boob. We went and and we were naked and everything. Me- meanwhile, my other favorite joke is like Tierney's a got a dungeon, you know, and he's just he and Pyre just shows up like with just like the bottom part of his stormtrooper outfit on, you know, greased up. Oh, what's it? What's it called? Cuckling? Cuckolding? Oh, geez, who's getting cuckolded in that? In which? Who's okay? Who's who's getting cuckolded? I'm trying to remember. Um. Are you I'm talking to Tyranny and Pyre, or are you talking Anakin and Padme? Oh, I'm talking Tyranny and Pyre. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, I was just going to say, Anakin has to watch, like, Padme and Obi-Wan. I mean, that's plausible, sort of. Mm, no, no, no. I'm just like, Tyranny is just like, you know, you can just be on that wall strapped up over there. Anyway. <laughs> but... <laughs> Straps Pyre to a wall and just grabs a random stormtrooper. Hey, you. What? 
Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Meanwhile. You just see him get yanked in a door. We won't <laughs> see him for a couple days. Uh, it's just uh, the opposite of uh, of when um, Kylo Ren has a has a fit. Kylo Ren probably has very vanilla sex too, and then cries afterwards. That's what the Skywalkers are—just vanilla sex all the way. Yeah, yeah, vanilla sex, and they they feel crappy about it afterwards. Meanwhile, me and Megan joke around that Ahsoka is like a feral lesbian who absolutely knows what she's doing, and she's very thorough because she's a feral lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> She's a thorough feral lesbian. She's a very thorough feral lesbian. <laughs> She's been down the lesbian thoroughfare. No. <laughs> and the lesbian renaissance fair. <laughs> anyway, we should totally talk about Act 3. That's oh. all I really, all I really have. Like, that, we should, that we should be having Tam in the story and, and, uh, they sort of shoved the moral in at the end and uh, just sort of like what happened with Pyre and Tyranny. What do you think the moral was? I think it was a big dildo. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. The actual moral. Okay, I thought we were talking in the, in this, in the, the encoded sex, of, sex talk of Tyranny and Pyre. Shoved that moral right in at the end there, but they did. They literally the, the moral was don't judge a book by its cover. It's just as it was just a very standard moral for sort of like a dildo. What's the moral? A dildo. <laughs> a, uh, sorry, a space dildo. Remind me to send you the video after this of grapefruiting your man. Anyway. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Uh, no, it's it's wonderful. Uh, anyway, uh, do I have any actually big notes? I do have one big note of this one. Uh, so get my 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 um, little notes out of the way. Um, I like Kaz being concerned for Nico's feelings. That's very sweet. Um, I like knowing that BB-8 and CB-23 gossiped about Kaz's blunders before the series, and I find that hilarious. <laughs> or before this episode, I should say. Um, because he has that moment of, like, did BB-8 tell you about those? And she's like, yep, we talk about you. <laughs> um, again, sad Niku breaks my heart. Um, and this is the best use of Kaz, destroying all the hard work that everybody else did. <laughs> I think that's hilarious because that's pretty much all he does is pretty much go through and destroy all of Nina's hard work. Um, for, for once, that's the the needed thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and my last little note is I hope after the show ended that Niku and Nina found each other again after the war is over and they got to do more mechanicing together. I like, because I actually really do. If the First Order didn't find her first. <laughs> That's season three. <laughs> season three is when they find each other again. But, um, gosh. <laughs> I'm still, like, copying up stuff from laughing so hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but my big note for this, um, I, I kind of touched on this in season one, in act one, but 
Nina, in a lot of ways, reminds me of Sonara, because you're right, she infiltrates pretty much the exact same way Sonara did, by being just kind and friendly and just being all like, gee whiz, thank you for saving me, which is... I'm a what, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing. That's how Sonara did it. And that's why I think Sonara is able to see you straight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but I also find, kind of find interesting about both of them as well, is they both have only really known that toxic life. And Sonara, you know, was raised with pirates. But when she got into the clot, like, Nina's a very fast-forward version of Sonara's story. But because Sonara had spent time in the Colossus and she saw, saw what true kindness was, it made her start questioning the pirates in that life. And we get a little bit of that with Nina here where she starts really, like, like her begging Niku, I think, is absolutely honest. Where she's like, I like you. You're a good person. I want to save you. And that's why it's so heartbreaking when Niku's like, no, I'm not leaving my friends. And she she has that pain of just she has a choice to stay or leave and she chooses to leave. And she, unlike Sonara, who, as we'll see later on the season, breaks free of her toxic, toxic life and leaves the pirates behind. Nina doesn't do that. She chooses to continue her survivor yeah, you know, ways. Nina probably has like a little, little sister who needs space surgery and she needed to get that, that first order deposit Wait. in the bank account. I don't think There's it's some that, equivalent of that, you know, I, I don't think so. Cause she flat out says in the episode, like I really was captured by pirates and I learned to survive no matter what. So I think it's just that survivor mindset where she's been fighting her entire life. So she doesn't know what it's like to choose peace. Unlike Samara who had a lot more time in the Colossus and she saw what peace looked like and she had time to live in it. And she was like, no, I, this is what I want. And I think that's the real difference between the two of them. Maybe, maybe, yeah. but if, 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 I don't know if 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 she didn't need the money for something, she could have just like stayed at the Colossus and said, "Okay, I'll just you know I'll I'll re-rig well, everything up," and they could have escaped anyway with her and had an well, extra. She says it. She thinks that the First Order is the winning side. She flat out uh, says it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because they do, they just blew up Hosnian Prime. They blew up the government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're in control, so she thinks she's on the winning side and. It's going to catch up with her real fast, but she's not once there's a bounty on her. But I, I like Nina. I, I don't. She, I well, know good for she, her. The First Order really doesn't have much time left. <laughs> yeah, they're around for another year. So she just has. To yeah. Yeah. They're not. Year. They're not a very long lived, lived evil group. In, yeah. Even in Star Wars terms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I like Nina. At no point does she ever feel like a villain for me. She just feels like somebody who's kind of trapped. She's and just someone trying caught in the middle, yeah. Yeah, and I and I like that about her character, which is why I hope one day Niku and Nina find each other again and they get to mechanic together. And then they make tiny, they mechanic so well that they get tiny babies. Yeah. <laughs> Niku doesn't fuck he mechanics. <laughs> But that's all I had for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. Don't. <laughs> I do not. All right, no. score it up for me, Chris. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I was going to give it a 7.5, but I gave it an extra half point because of my own bias of knowing that 
it should be a longer show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually really lo- I love this episode. This is actually probably one of my favorite episodes of season two. To me, it's one of the standout episodes. Um, I really like Nina, and I like how this this is one of the more subtly layered episodes. Like some episodes when their layers are very obvious, but this one's like one of those that the more you think about it, the more you can really get into those layers of what's happening, the dynamics, what's happening with the morally gray with Nina, how that challenges Sonara, how Sonara then challenges Kaz because Kaz is like stereotypes and, and Sonara's like, no, don't stereotype. Like there's a lot going on in this episode. I also love having Miku backstory. He needs backstory. He needs episodes. And and I liked that this epi- this was something for him, and it's really good. Um, so I actually gave it a 9 out of 10. I really like this episode. I'm really trying to let go of my biases of seeing this as a whole and looking at the episodes as individuals. <laughs> because I think if, if I looked at this as a whole... This my scores would probably be a lot lower because yeah. I know what happens. <laughs> Either one's valid because they both are both of those things. Just yeah. depending on how you want to look at them. Mm-hmm. Well, we have an announcement for next week. So we have another guest coming to talk with us about the episode from beneath. I'm super excited about this because this is the Orca and Ducks episode, and I'm always here for Orca and Flicks episodes. But next week, we are going to have a super special guest. He is the host of Clashing Sabres Network. We're going to have Mr. Mark Marquis on, our second Mark. And Mark Marquis is just super sweet. You're going to love him. He's such a well-thought-out individual. Uh, I love him so much. Oh. There's a podcast called Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and they have someone named Mike Marchese. And I have a friend named Mark Martin, and I want to get all three of those guys on a podcast together. It would be so confusing. <laughs> I'm Mark, Mark Marquise. Marquise, Mike Marchese, and Mark Martin. <laughs> and Mullinex. We actually met through um, the Pink Milk Roundtables that Pink Milk had last summer. Um, and that's actually where I met Mark Perez, too. So Mark became Mark Perez became Mark. And Mark Marquis just we just started calling him Marquis <laughs> just to keep them both separate. So, um, but actually, our Mark Marquis that we had uh, a few weeks ago, our Mark Perez that we had a few weeks ago, Mark Marquis are also friends as well. So, like, we we wanted to have. Um, he actually chose this episode. I, I knew I wanted a queer person on next week's episode because it's the Orca and Flux episode. Um, but he actually pr- chose that himself without me ever having to be like, "Hey, do you want to watch this one?" Like, it was his choice. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about him because if he chose it, that tells me he has really strong feelings about it. So very excited. <clears throat> well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page and our new Two True Freaks website. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for a lot of Resistance episodes. Uh, I wanted to get us caught up through season one, so this would get us all caught up through season one. But I wanted to say a note about this first comment. So this first comment was from is from Diego Lamos. And he reached out to me because he had left a comment on an episode that we did about 20 episodes prior. This is important because we have over 275 episodes. I do not go back every single week and check all 275 episodes if you leave a comment on an earlier episode. So this, like Diego, is exactly what you need to do. You have to let me know that there are episodes on early comments on earlier episodes if you leave one. Take it away, Chris. 
All right. So uh, this is um, the episode we did way back there, going through all the announced Disney shows. Yeah, this was after the um, the Investors the Day. Eight thousand million Star Wars shows. It's so funny because that was also the episode where like they announced like officially like showed batch ba- bad batches like first trailer I think it yeah. was and we were all speculating about it we're just like I don't know about this show and now it's like I love this show. All right, so he says so Diego says to answer hope about the stories of Obi Wan in the no- novel from a certain point of view, they were uh they were before he dies during the moment of his death and after when he talks to Yoda. Um. I agree. The cantina scene took like half of that book, and they didn't even yes, bring it back. Yes, it fucking did. And they didn't even bring back that one character who wanted to have sex. And when he finally did it, the female killed him because she belongs to a species that kills the males after mating. And then all his friends were like, "We told him so." Good old you. <laughs> I I just found this book in my library like I think Dario sent it to me and I, and now I'm like what? <laughs> sitting on my shelf. Apparently that story is still canon they just didn't use it. His name is Feltepen Trevag. His no 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 his name was <laughs> RIP Feltepen Yeah, his name now oh well I guess I guess they kill the mates. It's not like a praying mantis where they like eat their heads or something, as far as I know, anyway. All right. So the next letter comes from the episode The New Trooper, and it's from. Oh, yeah. How long has it been since we've had a letter from Paul C. Kelly? It's been a while, but this week we have two. Yeah. I guess I should say two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was another fun one with Kaz trying to play a stormtrooper. Funny how he tries to do the lower stormtrooper voice trying to fit in. But then when he is in trouble, it goes back to the high-pitched Kaz screaming. You see, I don't... I I figure if you're in a stormtrooper suit, just use your normal voice because that's what everybody in a stormtrooper suit's doing. So there's got to be some skinny little Kazes in there. I got a kick out of how he waves at... Tora walking behind the First Order troopers, and Tora's just, like, creeped out. That's just, like, one of my favorite moments of that episode, where he just waves at Tora, and Tora's like, what the fuck? <laughs> just watched Naked Gun recently, and noticed Lieutenant Frank Dre- Drebin, Leslie Nielsen's character, reminded me of Kaz. S- yeah, old Kaz. He is so bumbly and accident-prone, nobody assumes he is a threat until it's too late. Of course, that character is like it, like it is 60s, so maybe that is an older Kaz. Oh, you yeah. It. Oh, baby. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the m- main bad guy that also has an innocent people's brains programmed to murder people at the push of a button. Kind of like the clones with chips. Oh, boy. Wonder if Lucas or Filoni got that idea from Naked Gun. LOL. I wouldn't put it past them. They like to play a lot of homages. You never know. You never know. Uh, Niku just knocking that trooper out with no question was great as well. Yeah, it's always good when Niku is a little bit of a psychopath. He was a lot in that episode, actually. All right, the next one is from No Escape Part 1 and 2. 
You guys hyped up Star Trek enough for me to watch Next Generation, which is free if you have Amazon Prime right now. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you've watched Star Trek The Next Generation before, you first-time watcher. This first season of Resistance was great as far as being a little more creative and unique in storytelling and having a meaningful climactic clash of everything that happened in the season with the attempt to rescue Tam and then the pirates coming in. Sorry, I'm going to slide in, though. By the way, Paul, I sent that little note to Mark Perez, because, of course, Mark was our guest for that episode, and it really made him happy. He was like, I'm so glad that somebody is watching Star Trek because of mine and Chris's talk. So I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah, but not hope. Not hope. (laughs) Hey, my my, my new roommate is very gung-ho about that so we're, ah. we're we yeah because billy lives with me now so like we're we're maybe, uh maybe the three of us can sit down and come up with a viewing guide for you mm-hmm. so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so i had to clear my throat <laughs> mm-hmm. i was yelling niku is going to do something now when i saw everyone was outgunned but niku was not there oh no of course, he was getting ready to launch the Colossus, but it would have been funny to see him come out of nowhere and just starting to do the ninjutsu on everybody. That would have been hilarious, yes. And then when they rescued the Ace Squadron, I started asking myself about where Hype Falcon is and then started cheering when he shows up with Aunt Z. The show is great in setting up all the characters so that these moments you remember all this and start questioning and then get this surprise effect etc fun times if i recall season two kind of goes back to traditional star wars storytelling a tad where they are now in space on the run from the first order oh yeah seem kind of similar to the last jedi i'll have to rewatch as you do this podcast though to decide whether this was true again oh I mean, it's true yeah it's you're not true. so we kind of talked about that tonight actually <laughs> all true Oh my god, candy! It's been so long! Oh, I like, we got the candy from Dario. We knew it was going to be so long before we got it. I put it in the freezer, and it's a good thing because we've had so many heat waves here. Yeah, and that's the thing about that. Because, like, we got the candy, and then we had several guests in a row, so we weren't able to get to the candy. And we're like, ah, oh, candy. Well, I guess I should remind everybody. If you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. So... Gosh, back during Clone Wars that started, I think, towards the end of Clone Wars, our first run of Clone Wars, I should say. Um, our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster for the podcast Eat It and Beat It, is a flight attendant, and he travels all over the world, and he gets us candy from all over the world to review, um, because to, to satisfy Chris and his hatred of Kit Kats. So this week, our candy comes from Mexico, and it's the tricky. It's either tr- it's either tricky tricks or tricky truckies. I want to say tricky trackies. I'm calling them tricky trackies. See, oh, they're I'm, cookies. They're chocolate chip. They, they look like maybe cinnamony chocolate chip cookies. Oh, they are cookies. Oh, and they come in pieces. Oh, they're good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They're sort of like a chocolate chip cookie crossed with um, cocoa puffs. The cereal, you know, Cocoa Puffs? 
Yeah, because the cookie part's not necessary. You know, like when you have chocolate chip cookies, like it's almost like the cookie part is vanilla. These almost have like a little bit of a cocoa mix into them. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're almost like cocoa puffs with cho- chocolate chips in them. Mmm, mm, they're really good. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I have. These two. Are, I think these are our first flat-out cookies. Mm, I feel like we've had like well, we've had wafers before. Do you count wafers as cookies? It's like just no. wafers. Mmm, mmm, mmm. It's been so long. Oh my god, so fun. Mmm. Dario, we love you so much. Thank you. As we as we continue through resistance, we'll we'll continue eating your food. Thank you so much for sending us, Dario. We love you so very much. So. Mmm. My only downside is I'm not the biggest fan of crunchy cookies. I, I tend to like soft cookies. But I understand why these have to be crunchy because they have to be in packages for long periods of time. Yeah, and if they make the soft ones for the packages, I don't like those those mm-hmm. kinds of soft cookies. They're weird and gummy. Usually cuz they have to have like preservatives in them. So Yeah, they have some weird they have some weird kind of oil in them that doesn't And they almost taste chemically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of Play-Doh like. That's like a good Play-Doh way of cook. putting it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Very, very good. Well. At these, though. Do you have anything else left for the engineer? I do not. All right, Chris. Well, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our newly revamped website. We can find all our shows and all the shows of our fellow podcasters. Just tons and tons of shows you can sign up for our rss feed there we are on face we are on the facebook where the the website that people are abandoning by the millions i hear and you know what good just as long as you're not going to goddamn twitter no, i love twitter two- come join me come join but me on go- goddamn twitter if you're gonna go to po- if you're gonna go to facebook go to two true freaks podcast there and you can see all our episodes as we post them up for the two true freaks cantina if you want to oh check my God, chris. this chris we need a reddit a two true freaks reddit oh jesus no <laughs> no absolutely not <laughs> no 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 no. No. I didn't know this was gonna be such a strong answer from you. No, Reddit, no, no. I, I just thought uh, you were gonna be like, no, no thanks, but it was such no, a strong no. answer. Oh my god. No, I don't like we would like like half our podcasters would end up be like dead. <laughs> They're like brains would just like their their blood vessels would explode in all their body. Yeah, Reddit's Reddit's Uh, anyway but (laughs) also if you find yourself on if you've if you like run from facebook over to twitter you can search for two true freaks over at twitter and you will find gene gene the twitter machine manning the helm over there gene is manning that helm gene 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 the helm machine (laughs) matt helm the matt helm of podcasting um but yeah, that's where that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me still trying to get cookie out of my teeth. 
yeah they're they're yeah they're very dense they're very dense and like i could tell there's a lot of like like fat in them mm-hmm. yeah, delicious delicious fat well, unlike Chris, you can find me on Twitter at JGuysAndJedi. I run our Twitter account. I, I should let you know that you can always tell when I'm doing um, show, show notes because I tend to post really dumb photos from the episodes. And I also post my notes early sometimes. So you can follow us over there. You can also follow me at HopeMonix. I do have a website called geekygirlexperience.com where I do all sorts of reviews. Um, I'm also currently reviewing The Owl House over at The Geeky Waffle. So um, it would be really cool if you go check us out over at The Geeky Waffle because also my friend Arzu and Candace and Maggie, they also uh, write for that as well. And they're doing stuff like weekly reviews of The Bad Batch and weekly reviews of like of the Marvel shows. So you should definitely go check that out over there. And also, Chris... And I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I make him watch my favorite animated shows. We are currently wrapping up at Gravity Falls, and Chris and I have already started delving into Avatar The Last Airbender a little bit. So, yeah! We've definitely been really enjoying that, and we've also already talked about some of the Star Wars connections, like Dave Filoni and Juan Carlo Volp, and like those like early Clone Wars writers, and Justin Ridge, who was the producer of this show, got uh, worked on worked on Avatar as well. So it was funny. I was in the the audio group, and we were having a meeting, and uh, Michael Bailey was ca- called. We've got Strangers of Paradise. Trekker, these are comics that, that our audio drama company is adapting. And we got another one called Astro City. All three of those creators live in Portland. So Mike, Mike um, Bailey was calling it the, the uh, uh, Pacific Northwest trilogy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a great name for it. And, and like three people were like, Every time I hear you guys say that, I think of Gravity Falls. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's where people can find me. Uh, so I guess unless you have anything else, come back next week and we're gonna talk from beneath with Mark Marquis of Clashing Chambers. Clash, clashing Sabers. Nah, that cookie got in my way. Clashing Sabers and go check out their show it's a really great show they're a lot of fun um and yeah i guess we'll talk to you next week aye that thing aye. Will. aye and go um join our kickstarter for prep we're gonna launch a kickstarter we're gonna wrap all the puppies crap them up crap them up crap <laughs> them up look out for our kickstarter guys we'll take we'll take your money <laughs> Bye. Uh, get, out, get out now, Chris. Say no. Prap. <laughs> Forget the other prap. You should just kind of end it with it. You're just yelling, prap. Yeah. <laughs> Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. 
We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.